welcome to the first episode of my new project. My name's Chris and I'm an unbeliever. There are more voices in the world now than there ever has been. But there's been no greater time to speak. I'll start real quick as sort of an introduction to let you know what it is I'm doing here. Uh, so I'm a truck driver. I have been for almost 23 years. And um, uh, you you may find that this, this podcast is probably not going to have the best audio you've ever heard because most of the time I'm going to do this recording while I'm driving. Um, it's funny that uh, I, I will have these little moments of inspiration while I'm driving, you know, I'm just looking out through the windshield and I'm, I, it's, it's a solitary job, but it gives you a lot of time to think. And, and so I'll think of something great. Well, you know, you're driving and you got everything, you know, I don't, I can't write stuff down. You know, I can try to use Siri on my phone to, to take notes, but even that's difficult. And then I get to the end of the driving day and I have forgotten uh, what it is you know, that I was thinking about. And so I just figured out last week that this anchor.fm exists and it works with my Bluetooth headset and I've tested it and it's not perfect audio, but it's good enough. So having said all of that, let's, let's talk about tribalism. I am an anarchist and I'm not going to apologize for it. Now, the problem with labels is that I know what that means to me. Just like anyone who says they're a conservative or a liberal or a progressive or a socialist or a communist or a capitalist, they know what that term means to them. And they're fine with it. You know, obviously, they're, they're putting on the robe of that identity. And they're like, okay, I, well, you know, I have decided that this term accurately describes who I am and communicates or should communicate to other people who I am and what I believe. So the problem that you that you face is once it leaves you, it leaves your mouth, it leaves your hand, you've written it down, you've communicated it, you lose control over it, right? So someone who has a completely different definition of anarchism than I do are going to say, oh my gosh, well, that, he must believe X. Well, uh, I, I don't have any control over that. I have no control whatsoever over how someone receives my message. But as I understand it, anarchists and anarchy are the most, is the most consistent political, uh, or is the political philosophy that is most consistent with the teachings of Jesus Christ in the New Testament of the Bible. Um, I, I have, I was raised by Republicans. I've had friends who were liberals, Democrats, uh, you know, progressives, all the different shades and flavors. And, and I've spent about 10 years studying and, and trying to understand the different political philosophies and you know, and, and you can essentially boil them down to, you know, some form of Marxism, you know, as the root of socialism and communism. Um, you know, the, the conservative theory uh, of uh, the conservative ideas, you know, 
boiled down to really classical liberals in the 17th century. Um, anarchism, anarchism does to an extent, it shares um, some things that conservatives believe and some things that liberals believe. And that's why I end up causing so much trouble with people because, uh, oh, you must be a liberal. No, oh, you, you must be a conservative. No, I had one guy trying to get me to run for office and I talked to this old Republican dude, you know, old time House of Delegates member in the West, in the West Virginia legislature. And he's like, well, you have to be a Republican. I'm like, no, I don't. Well, you, well, you have to. No, I don't. I don't, I don't have to be anything so i've got to lay that little bit of background down there because the 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 first five months of 2020 have really tested everything that i believe um i, I feel like my personal philosophy is stronger now because it's been tested uh and has and it hasn't failed yet um, I, because I believe that the principles of liberty, of individual liberty and natural God-given rights, um, never fail. So because I have embraced this political philosophy, I have had the it has given me the ability to have conversations with a lot of different kind of people because I can find common ground with almost anybody not everybody but almost anybody you know what we can find something that we agree on and so that has given me a glimpse into their philosophy and how they got there and why they believe what they believe so you know if you live in a in a liberal progressive left echo chamber or you live in a right conservative echo chamber and you you never really get to parse the belief systems of these people that that you you're in opposition to it's really hard to understand where they're coming from especially when you treat them as an enemy you know you're just automatic oh that guy's a liberal uh you know discard throw away because ultimately that's what the labels are to do that the labels exist so that you can quickly and efficiently throw someone away put them in the trash. All right, check. You are no of no value. I can I can discard you because you are a part of this group and I am opposed to this group and so therefore I don't have to waste any time with you. I can go just associate with all the people that I believe are correct. So when I'm around progressives hardcore progressives or hardcore conservatives i have to i have to try to be careful because i can turn them off so quickly you know because look i will i mean if you if you if you love the state and you love the government whether it's red or blue you have that faith that allegiance to it and you believe it to be a good and noble cause well i will I will shit on that idea in a minute, and I will really, I am, I am so capable of just destroying your feelings. It's not that I mean to, but when I have a belief system that is so counter to the fundamental belief and faith that you have in the state, 
Well, it's shocking to hear someone say, well how, well, how can you not believe in government? How can you not believe in the state? Well, if you give me a minute, I can try to explain it. But most of the time, they don't give a damn what I actually think. They just throw out a rhetorical question as if to say, ha, 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 I got you there. There's a question you can't answer. Well, I can answer it if you'll let me. A lot of time they won't let me. So one example of this is there's a podcast called The Heretic Happy Hour. Uh, it's got three hosts, Keith Giles, Matthew DiStefano, and, um, oh, my gosh, I forgot his name, Jamal Javanji. Sorry about that, Jamal. And I found this podcast by accident, I don't know, a year, 18 months ago. I found it because of Keith Giles. I had read his book, Jesus Undefeated, which is, in my opinion, one of the most important books that's probably been written in the last couple hundred years. And so I, I stumble upon Jesus Untangled, Keith Giles. I find out he has a podcast called Heretic Happy Hour. And so it's these three guys, and they talk about issues of theology and faith and religion uh, in a very um, – it, it's, a, it's a very loose um, – there's a word I'm looking for, and fortunately it's escaped me. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're hard on religion. But a lot, so a lot of people that are attracted to that group are not – fundamentally conservative because conservatism really relies on a fundamentalist view of Christianity and um, and and which which comes with Republican politics whether you like it or not and so progressives are are it's very easy and natural for them to be distrusting of religion fundamentalist Christian religion especially uh, you know, reform theology, Protestantism, as it has become in Western culture. Okay, so if I'm going to speak to these people, I have to find a way to speak to them in a way that they won't immediately discard. I kind of have to sneak up on them a little bit. Now, I, if I'm being honest here, I don't really try to sneak up on conservatives because they're my people. I was raised by conservatives, um, and, and so – they're they're kind of my root tribe, and I'm a I will be a little bit harder on them, and and but there's so many more of them among my tribe, among my peer group, um, I can kind of use them against themselves. I can I can kind of bait one of them into an argument, but others will see it because there's so many more. But with the progressives, it's a much much smaller portion of my peer group. All right, so. I had an idea for a blog post, and, and I'm going to submit this to uh, a, a project a friend of mine is going to see if I can get it published. But let me let me lay this out for you, because um, I wanted to talk about tribalism, and I wanted to do it in a way that would sound to the progressive like I was on their team for a minute. Um, because you have, you have to remember, these progressives – while being very dismissive and distrusting of fundamentalist religion, uh, are so except in the if, if the fundamentalist religion is science and the state. Okay, so in this pandemic, you know they're all about wearing masks and quarantine because they're you know believing the experts. Well, the experts said this and the experts said that, and so you have to do everything. Of course, I'm sitting over here going, no, I'm not doing any of that, and I've not done any of that. Um, 
And so I'm someone who would freely say, for example, um, you can't you can't force me to wear a mask. That's a violation of my natural liberty. You can't shut down my business. That's a that's a violation of my natural liberty. Well, when you, when they hear that, oh well, you don't you know you don't care about people. You must be one of those da 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 da. And 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 so they, they you're back in the box. You're thrown out with the garbage. So I had to kind of tiptoe into this. So I said, you know, my frustration with tribalism is people inside the tribe will, will change their principles like they change their underwear, which is, is daily, I hope, um, because the tribe tells them what and how to think. They, 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 they get a sense of comfort inside the collective, and once they're in, it's very easy for the tribe, almost like a cult, to, to shave off their individuality and, and make them fearful of looking at some issue in any different way than what, uh, the, what the tribe thinks. You know, well, I, well, okay, well, I, I mean, I could look into this and, you know, maybe in the back of my mind I have a different thought than what they did, but I'm not going to say it out loud because I won't get crushed. You know, I mean, the last four months have been a roller coaster of, of epic proportions. And I, but I feel like I'm operating in a, in a, a different dimension. Okay. So, you know, I'm recording this on June 1st, 2020. And I went back through my Facebook activity log. I wanted to see what was the first mention that I made of COVID-19. And so I scroll back through the activity log, and the first mention I could find was on January 24th. And I don't remember right off the top of my head what exactly it was, but I posted something uh, about coronavirus January 24th of 2020. Now, being that it's June, I look back and I'm like, okay, the Super Bowl was February 2nd. The Daytona 500 was February 16th. Now, I watched both of these major sporting events where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people were in attendance. So that kind of gives me a marker, you know, to remember back in the old days when, when we were still allowed to together with other humans. Um, and, and so by the end of February, um, you know, things were starting to heat up. And by the second week of March, I'm like, okay, uh, this appears to be a problem. Now, being that I'm a truck driver and I make my living traveling throughout different states and cities and, and interacting with lots of different people, shelter at home is not an option for me. I, I literally cannot drive the truck from home. So for about a week there, you know, we had, I remember my, my, Pod, other podcast partner and I, um, we recorded an episode on Friday the 13th. And then on March 16th, which was Monday, was when the um, 15 days to sl slow the spread was, uh, was done by the federal government. Um, so beginning right there, I'm like, okay, I, at this point, I, I guess I have to give them benefit of the doubt. So, you know, I'm washing my hands extra, and I'm trying not to touch doorknobs. And But everything I do is in public. Everything, I mean, 
I have I have showered and and used the restroom and in public facilities for 23 years. I spend more time on the road than I do at home. So natch having this first this natural curiosity and second having uh, a distrust of, of the state and the establishment, I start kind of doing my own research and I'm like, okay, I hear what they're saying. They're the experts, air finger quotes there. So I start trying to look into, well, who are these people? Where did they come from? How, why, are, why are they the experts? I mean, I, I'm reading medical journals. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at alternative sources because I've got to have something to balance out the media. Now, please understand when I say alternative sources, I'm not talking about conspiracy theory, Alex Jones nonsense, okay? But in this day and time, there are, there are a lot of independent journalists and independent organizations that are not tied to the corporate media. I don't trust the corporate media, and I will not apologize for that. I don't trust CNN. I don't trust Fox News. I don't trust MSNBC, the New York Times, the LA, whoever. So I know that there are independent journalists and independent organizations that will go out and and report on what they find and so i'm reading them i'm trying to get a balance of what the president is saying and what dr fauci and dr burks and admiral joie and all these people and all these organizations with all their letters and um and I'm, so i'm trying to listen to everything and, and you know I'm, I'm reading about medications you know hydroxychloroquine becomes this huge controversy which to this day still baffles me that that I, I can go right now and probably find 10 doctors that say not only is hydroxychloroquine safe to use, it's also effective on SARS-1 and SARS-2. But because Orange Man Bad said it, um, well, it's, it's going to kill you. I mean, you know, this this guy, how dare he? So... You know, a lot of people are asking the question, well, what was Trump really trying to do? And why was he saying that? And, what, and I don't care. I couldn't care less. I don't care why he said it. The fact is, he said it. So during all of this, I never stopped working. I was in 11 states in 15 major cities. All right, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Tennessee, Arkansas, um, Texas. Uh, might be believing one out there, but you know all all the major you know from Chicago to West Virginia, Albany, New York, Dallas, Texas, Houston. I was in all these places at the height, you know, and about. You know, right near the end of March, at, the president does his thing on March 16th with the 15 days to slow the spread. And then about a week later, we start hearing that state governors are shutting down schools and telling businesses they have to close. And so this order comes from the governor of Pennsylvania that all non-life-sustaining businesses must close. Now, I went through two weeks of this because they put out one order, and I read that one, and I'm like, okay, my customers are good. Then, you know, three days later, another order comes down. 
um, and they had this list and all of my customers that are um, like construction supply houses are on the list of not allowed to operate. So on a Thursday morning, I call one of my customers in York, Pennsylvania, and I say, what's the deal? And they're like, eh, we're closing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm out of business. I mean, it, that's it. It's over. Because I haul the same products to the same stores every week, custom-built windows, doors, and cabinets. And if, they, if they're closed, I have nothing to do. I'm out of business. So I've got to go find something else to do. So I go ahead and book loads to Houston and then out of Dallas back home because I'm thinking my customers are shut down, so I've got to find something else to do. The next morning, I get a phone call from that customer. Hey, uh, the lawyers got involved. We're not closing. Oh, really? Yep, yep, we're open. We're not shutting down. Uh, we told the governor to pound scene. Well, all righty then. So then I called the plant, the manufacturer, and I said, hey. He said, look, if they're ordering, we're shipping. And I'm like, okay, so I am still in business. Um, and that's how it's remained from February, March, April, May. 90% of my life didn't change. Um, all of my, the majority of my customers that I deliver to every week are in Pennsylvania and New York. Uh, the one company, you know, is like 12 miles from the governor's house, you know. And so throughout this, I'm having more conversations with random people than I ever have before. You know, usually as a driver, look, I want to get in, I want to get out, I want to keep moving. But I was really desperate to know what regular people were thinking. I didn't want to hear what Donald Trump had to say, and I didn't want to hear what the task force had to say. I don't care. I don't want to hear what the governors and the health department. I wanted to know what the people were saying, because those are my neighbors. So every time I stop, say, "Hey, what do you think? What's going on? What, 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 do, what do you, you know, what do you think about it?" Those and so throughout all this travel, going to Houston, going to Dallas. Uh, in Dallas, where I had to sit in the floor and eat a breakfast burrito because the, you know, the Dallas mayor uh, shut down the dining room. Um, so I had to sit in the floor because it's raining outside and I couldn't sit at the slave table that they had set up outside. So I sat in the floor, you know, during a pandemic, you know, when, when everybody's supposed to be freaking the hell out, I'm sitting in the floor eating a burrito. So living in dimension B. So here's the here's the really tough part. What, what I have seen with my own two eyes and what is reported on the news are two very different things. Traffic is down, but it's not gone. Uh, one of my customers in Pennsylvania told me that May 2020 was their biggest month since 2018. They did $1.3 million in sales in a state that is supposedly shut down. And this is the store that's literally 12 miles from Governor Wolf's house. So I live this life, no mask, no gloves. I'm not social distancing. I see people, I shake their hands. I, you know, I hug and, you know, I, I just, my, I haven't changed my life. 
And I see lots and lots and lots of other people that have not changed their lives as well. I, I, have, I have seen a 20, maybe 25% reduction in traffic and activity, but it's not the opposite. It, it's not, you know, everybody's wearing a mask, everybody's staying home. That just has never happened. Yeah, but, you know, yes, there are masks. Yes, there are restrictions. No, it's not the majority. It never has been. So here's a contrast. And this is kind of where I wanted to try to hook the progressives a little bit. Because, see, they're, if they're reading this, they're really uncomfortable right now at the idea of me not social distancing, me not wearing a mask, because I am... I am, I am blaspheming their religion of God in the state. So I turned on them a little bit. Colin Kaepernick was once an evangelical hero. When he was the quarterback for the 49ers, he was loved. He was a Christian. He had white parents. They adored him. And then he turned on. He dared to dishonor that which was most important to them, the American flag. Now, I knew why he was doing it. I knew exactly why he was kneeling. And I knew a lot of the names that he was kneeling about. But I watched as their blind nationalism made them hate someone who was trying to use his platform, his, his fame, his media attention to get their attention. But they would respond, he's doing it the wrong way. Listen, that horseshit really grinds on me. You know, they, these people, they want the Ten Commandments to hang on the courthouse wall, but they really couldn't care less about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has become a minor figure in their religion because their one true faith is red, white, and blue. Their love and adoration of the state is what gives their ignored racism teeth. Look, we're all prejudiced. Like it or not, we're going to judge somebody. You are going to judge somebody for something. I live and was raised in West Virginia. That fact alone makes people dismiss me as some uneducated hillbilly who obviously can't be trusted to have any worth or value. That's bigotry. That's prejudice. Fortunately for me, I don't give a shit what they think about you know the geographical location of my mother's birth canal at the time of my birth. Any notion that there's a disproportionate exercise of violence on minorities from their beloved state is ignored. To them, the state is good, the state is noble. Why? This is a Christian nation founded on Judeo-Christian values. Judeo-Christian values. What the hell does that even mean? They don't know. Sean Hannity told them that, and it, it just and it sounds good. We have people of all races, all faiths, all creeds, ethnicities, and nationalities being murdered by the state. The war on drugs has probably killed more people in the history of man than any other war. It doesn't discriminate. I've read that George Floyd was number 400 this year. In five months, police officers have killed 400 people. 400! They've killed white, black, Christian, Muslim, and on and on. 
See, I see the real injustice being that when it's a black person as the victim, it's marginalized or dismissed. They love it when the state kills people. It makes them feel safe. It shows them the might um, and the power and the reach of that which they believe protects them. But if you show them Duncan Limp, a white guy that was murdered in his sleep in a no-knock raid, they'll raise an eyebrow, but they still wonder why he deserved it. I mean, he must have been a bad guy, or else our noble servants, the cops, wouldn't have broken down his door in the middle of the night. But if he was black, if he was Breonna Taylor, no question. She absolutely, obviously deserved to be gunned down in her sleep, and her boyfriend should have never tried to defend his home with a weapon from an armed gang that broke in the middle of the night. You know, because he's being charged with attempted murder of a police officer when they blew his door off the hinges in the middle of the night with a no-knock warrant. He should have known that. He should have known that they were coming. See, here's my issue. I see the violence and des des uh, devastation at the hands of a corrupt and violent organization. I've seen it for about a decade. But see, the only reason I knew about it, about all the people that, that Colin Kaepernick was kneeling about, was because of social media pages like Police the Police, Cop Block, and the Free Thought Project. Now, you know what all three of those pages have in common? They were all unilaterally deleted by Facebook for violating community standards. All of them. At the same time, on the same day. Hundreds of Facebook pages were deleted in the middle of the night by Facebook with no warning. And a great majority of these pages were people that would call out violence of the state. The Free Thought Project is now up to like the Free Thought Project 4.0 because it happened three more times after the first one. There's a page called Liberty Memes that's probably been zucked at least 10 times or more. We've all lost count. And now there's so many different Liberty Memes pages, you don't even know which one's the real one. But they take it down, we put it back up. See, these pages, they'll give me the information and then let me do with it what I will. But when they do that, they get deleted for it. The only people I trust anymore are my neighbors. Who are my neighbors? Anyone who wishes to engage in voluntary cooperation and association. I don't trust the state. I don't trust their propaganda arm, the corporate media. So when March 2020 came around, and I'm looking around, and I'm trying to make a decision for myself, my business, my family. I looked for the peaceful and voluntary option. I measured what I saw, compared that to what I was being told, and acted accordingly. I didn't shut down. I didn't quarantine. I didn't put on a mask. Sorry. I can't take seriously the commands and directions of people that kill to enforce their will, especially when they kill my minorities disproportionately. They'll exterminate a thousand times more people than the virus is capable of.
it's my opinion that the state has failed. For all intents and purposes, the government has collapsed. My only remaining option is to find my neighbors and engage voluntary with them. No permission necessary. I don't like the violence in the cities right now, but it's been coming for a long time. Followers of Jesus should be the ones able to de-escalate it. But we also must be able to break away from the tribalism that urges us to make excuses for violence and oppression all over the world. See, because you can't have one without the other. You know, there, there's a, especially along progressive circles. You know, well, if we get about we get rid of the state, what about education? What about health care? And my response to them is say, look, if in order to have health care and roads and uh, education, I must also have a violent organization with a monopoly on force that's going to kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the globe, I'll have to find another way. I'll have to do without the education, the healthcare, and the roads. I'll, there's got to be, there has to be another way. There has to be a peaceful solution to create shared projects without having this organization that thrives on death and destruction. Because no matter which slice of the pie you're in, Republican, conservative, liberal, Democrat, Marxist, socialist, capitalist, fascist, whatever you are, or whatever you think you are, in order for the state to carry out the things you want it to carry out and give you the things you need, it must exercise violence and force on your neighbor to make it happen. It's unavoidable. So there is no political solution. The, the current level of the state in America, and I'll just speak about the United States here, there is a foundation of the system of government in which, in this area in which we live. Okay, there's a constitution in every state. There's a constitution for the U for the U.S. government. This is the framework, the rules and regulations that um, that dictate how that that uh, organization is to behave. That's over. They have completely abandoned and continue to abandon the the, the principles that dictate how they are to behave. And, and both sides of the political spectrum, the left and the right, the red and the blue, they're totally fine with that usurpation and with that destruction of those principles as long as their guy's doing what they want him to do. You know, I've watched in local groups that have popped up, you know, for constitutional, uh, you know, uh, awareness and you know, in my state that are correctly upset about the governor of West Virginia is uh, issuing executive orders. And then the president of the United States issues an executive order and they cheer. 
Y'all, that's cognitive dissonance. You can't say on the one hand, well, the governor's executive orders are powerless because they violate the Constitution. Um, but when the president does it, I'm okay with it because he's doing. he says he's doing something I want him to do. That's a problem. And that's why I make the statement that the state has essentially failed. Because the people, by and large, overwhelming majority, um, don't understand that basic system of government. They, they have no concept or clue of the three equal but separate branches of government and how they work in the House and the Senate and the executive and the judicial. They just wait for, all right, my guy has got to do what I want him to do, and then the court's got to uphold it. And if the court upholds it, I'm happy. And if the court shuts it down, I'm not happy. And then I'll go blame the other guy because it was the other guy's fault that my guy didn't get what he wanted done because the deep state and and QAnon and, and on and on and on and on, completely ignoring the fundamental principle that we're trying to deal with. So what am I left with? The state has failed. The government has collapsed. Uh, too many people around me are... Are, are voracious supporters of these acts of violence against peaceful people. And they're so distracted. They're so distracted by conspiracy theories and, 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 they're, and, and especially among Christians, it really disturbs me and bothers me that they're so obsessed with being right. They're so obsessed with, well, I know the truth because... You know, well, well, watch this video. Oh, yeah, because those can never be manipulated. Well, watch this video. It's the truth. It says, see, this guy did this, and this guy didn't. They were funded by this guy. And all you're doing is propping up your own self-righteousness when your righteousness should be found in Christ. That's where your righteousness comes from. If you can put on, if you can take off your red and your blue and your jackass and your elephant, you can take off those identities and put on the identity of Christ then you can see who it is you really are, and then you can see how you can operate inside the kingdom where the kingdom does not, it, it, violence is not a fruit of the spirit. Coercion and aggression are not fruits of the spirit. Fruits of the spirit are, are love and compassion and understanding and patience. That's what you can use to win this war. So why don't we all gather up our gas grills and leave our guns at home and go out to the protesters and start cooking out? Why don't we just go start a massive cookout? Take some pizza. Take, you know, start grilling out. Start having conversations with people and find those things that you can't agree on. You can agree on the fact that violence is wrong. But see if there's enough people there to balance it out, if there are, and I'm sure there are, bad actors that are using this opportunity to stir up trouble. See, if there's enough of you there that are having the conversation, it's a whole lot more difficult for those bad actors to come in and get a foothold. Because what's missing in all of this is the kingdom of heaven. Well, guess who holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Guess who are the indwellers of the Holy Spirit? We are. So there ain't going to be no Jesus at the protest unless you're there. God's not going to supernaturally come down and wave a magic wand and, and, and smite everybody. It's not going to happen. So stop waiting for it. 
get off your butt and go out there and tell these people, hey, listen, I understand you're hurting. I can understand why you're hurting. So let's talk about it. Here, come over here and let's have a hot dog. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Instead of sitting back on your on your duff and wrapped up in your self-righteousness because you're on the right tribe and the right team. Stop being blinded by your own ego. Go find somebody and show them some love. Show them some peace. Show them some, some compassion. That's how you're going to win.